Welcome to The Wind Down, an afternoon podcast where two techie blokes sit down over a bowl of wine and chat about what's happening in the world of tech. Enjoy while Scott and Nick open up about their week in technology. Well, ladies and gentlemen, hello and welcome to The Wind Down. I'm Nick and this is... Scott. Hello, Scott. How are you? Hello, Nick. How are you going? I'm very well indeed. I'm very well indeed. Now, where are we? What are we hey, drinking? We are in the DY Hotel. Again? Cool. Again. Excellent. <laughs> How about that? It's easy. It was close. Yeah, that works. Absolutely. It's close to my house. It's not close to him, but, but oh. there you go. More importantly, what are we drinking? We are drinking... Uh, this, this is an interesting drop. This is the uh, Cab Merlot 2018 um, Little Demon. It's a Maxwell wine. And look, it's a, it's a good pub wine. Where's it from? South Australia, Max, um, okay. McLaren Vale. And uh, look, it's uh, if you look at the back of it, you normally expect something that's going to tell you about you know what, what uh, field the grapes came from and how hard they were to pick and the time of year and how they squeezed each one individually. No, no, this is some cryptic story about something about. I don't know, not actually sure what it's about. It's very weird. Oh, well. Anyway, <laughs> I suppose that's why they call it Little Demon. Mm. But you know, it's not half bad. So I'm trying to make a segue into our topic today, but I'm struggling because <laughs> our topic doesn't really segue. MSP legal agreements. This sounds like the world's most exciting topic, Scott. Like, look, it's um, of, of all the things we've spoken about, this would take the cake for being the uh, the dull item oh, of the I, year. I would say when I when I was um, chairing. Uh, CompTIA, which is Computer Trade Industry Association Australia's group, I kept saying we should get a lawyer to come and talk to all our members. And everyone was like, no, no, really boring. You know, I know some great lawyers who give great, yeah. really interesting talks. Law's actually quite fascinating in it, different it ways. But people think it's very boring. So we'll do a boring talk on it, shall we? Uh, you are, let's, let's see if we can jazz it up a little bit. <laughs> But look, wait, jazz it up. Exactly. Let's, uh, let's say when you're a company and you work out that, hey, my, my IT's got some problems, I want to get someone in to help. Yep. I need to get either like a, a, a managed service provider or maybe I just want to get a company in to do the old break-fix thing from the 1990s uh, to come in. But ho- hopefully you're thinking more strategically about IT and looking at managed service provider sort of levels. So let's say that you're, a company comes in and says, hey, we can do this, we can do that, we'll help yep. you with all your IT, blah, blah, blah. And you say, yep, that sounds great. Off you go. Just give me an invoice. That's, that's all very well. What happens when something goes wrong? That's an interesting point. So if I think about it, if I go to a shop and I buy something, and, and I bring it home and something goes wrong. Well, I'm covered by consumer guarantee laws. You've got consumer law and Trade Practices Act and so forth. Yeah. If I buy a piece of equipment and it fails within warranty, I've got some comeback, right? That's right. But if I get somebody to come in and do some services, like, and it's different with tradies, right? So if I get a licensed mm. tradie, I've got recourse. I've got the Consumer Affairs Tribunal. I've got all sorts you, of things. But that's back in consumer land, isn't it? You do, but there's also things like that's that's when something, for example, goes very wrong. Mm. Like, you know, I need you to dig a hole and put a pipe in, and you dig a hole, and for example, your building falls down. Oh yes, I wouldn't, I wouldn't know anything about that. No, I wouldn't. No, that's just a first thought that came to mind. Um, so yeah, that that sort of thing. What go? And you you'd think that in that sort of scenario, you think, oh, you, you made my building fall down. Uh, yep. You're responsible for this, and they're saying, "Oh well, not quite. No, no." And there are legal agreements that control all of that. So I suppose if I th- think about it at a really high level, IT is quite complex. It is, and IT people understand some of it, not not all of it. It's a big topic. 
business owners don't understand a lot of it. So it would make sense to write down what you're going to do and what you're not going to do, right? Yeah, and look, here's the thing. If you're going to get an, uh, an IT provider to come in and help you manage your network, update your equipment, look at all your data along the way because they're copying it, they're backing it up, they're helping you with... You want to put some basic protections in place. And the, this is what we call the Master Services Agreement. This helps both you and it helps the service provider because it really spells out how the relationship works. Yeah, it, was, it was really funny when, when we started migrating accounting firms from one practice management tool to another. Very often, early in the relationship, the accounting firm would go, well, should we send you a copy of our data? And we go, no, 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 we haven't signed an agreement yet. Yeah, right. And you, look, as, as an IT provider ourselves, I don't want to get involved in any customer's network not knowing we've got confidentiality agreements you know, signed off and that we've... So it's protecting both parties, right? It's, it it's not it, a one-way no, document. No. It works both ways because all of a sudden, customer says, oh, look, come into my network, play with that, and you do something in there, and then a week later they get breached, and they'll say, well, that was your fault, you've lost all this data, we've had, no, it's not my fault, I didn't do anything. You get all this back and forth. The legal agreement really explains how the interaction between both parties works. Now, I should say before we start, we're not lawyers, right? We are, we are not the, lawyers, other, the other day when we did Bitcoin, That's right. we're not financial advisors either. No. One day we'll work out what we are. Yes, but none of this is legal advice, right? This none, is not none legal of this advice, but look, let, let me tell you a little bit about what is in a standard legal agreement. Just just the basics. Um, you can read these. They're, they're pretty dull. But so this is honest, more an MBA view of a okay, agreement MBA rather than a lawyer's legal, Yes, there was one legal subject in my, my MBA. That'll do that. This, this <laughs> covered the majority of it I'm just quickly. thinking of, I have some <laughs> friends who are lawyers and I'm really, we don't want to diss that. They know loads of things, no, right? But, but what they will say though is that first thing when you get into trouble, where's the agreement? Yep. And you go, well, there's no agreement. They're going to, well, okay, well, that's a bit of a mess, isn't it? Yes. Um, how, well, how did you get yourself into this mess? So look, there's a concept called a master services agreement and it is an overarching agreement that says this is how the relationship between the person providing the service or the company providing the service and the end customer works there's a number of sections in it okay but this is not I would have thought this is not an agreement you get with every quotation, right? Every quotation no. references that agreement that, but that, that's once right. that's signed that stays as the Ongoing. It makes yep. life simpler, right? And normally what will happen is you'll see a quotation from someone and there'll be some fine print down the bottom. Not mm. too fine, hopefully, because you, you should be able to spell this out and say, if you agree to this quotation, yep. it is governed by the terms of our master services agreement shown on the website here or attached to the back or yep. given to you at the time, whatever, whatever it is. Cool. But it needs to be available. And you don't... Ideally, you should be signing that master services agreement or you should have easy access to it to be able to see it. So so that's cool. So there's this agreement. And it really, if we ignore the legalities of everything, it writes down what the gives and gets are between the two parties. That, that's, that's right. the correct expectations. It, it does. And this, is, um, it, this really is just as much for the client as it is for the MSP. Okay. Any MSP today going out and... and doing work in client networks without a basic agreement in place showing, you know, we are doing confidentiality, we are talking about intellectual property, we're talking about a whole variety talking of things. Talking about that, why don't you unpack some sections for us? Okay. Confidentiality okay. you mentioned, that's Confidentiality. That. That's the, it's a basic confidentiality clause that says, look, as a provider, 
if we go into a client network and we see information that is considered confidential, that could be anything starting from personnel information. Yep. It could be backups. It could be reports around profit and loss. It could be how much stock the client's got on site. It could be anything to do with their business. You certainly get to see some crazy things and, in IT, right? And as an IT provider, you get to see all of these things. One yep. way or another, you, you get to see them. Um, then we say, look, we're going to keep that confidential for you. We're not going to go and, oh, look, this is interesting. I'm going to go and tell the press and quickly go and buy some stock. Or tell a competitor or somewhere. Oh, yeah, we just don't yeah, do that. That's right. This is the whole thing. And so we put that in writing and say, yeah, we're going to keep that confidential. The same so, thing. I, I will say, so unlike yeah. doctors, right? Yes. We don't sign, as IT professionals, we don't sign this overarching code of ethics. Right? No. So this is all written in that agreement. But having said that, I wouldn't say the industry is completely unethical. No, <laughs> so I'm, not, I'm not saying that either. No. I'm, just, I'm just saying the IT industry isn't governed the same way accountancy that, is right. or, no. or, or or the legal profession or others although we're trying to get there we're a slightly newer industry we, we are we are i think it'll take a while because we've rushed ahead quite a lot so that agreement is your key document it's the, the legal agreement is the key document yep. well, look, confidentiality works both ways it also says that you the provider if you go and share how you do things or some secret ways of doing things or even some of your own approaches to people and staff and whatever mm -hmm. you know that the client's not going to run and say, "Oh, look, hey, this is what this is what these guys are doing. What's everybody else doing?" He's like, well, yeah, hang on, good hang on. good point. And that takes us into us. intellectual property, right? As well, it does. So, what is intellectual property? Ha <laughs> ah. Remember, this is not legal advice, and this is just Scott's that, opinion. That's right. So, intellectual <laughs> property. Let's say that uh, I'm an, I'm a service provider. You're a client, and you say, "Hey, Scott, come along and write some software for me." Yep. And I go, "Oh, sure, I'll do that." And I go and write some software and create something new in your industry that really gives you that competitive advantage. Mm -hmm. And I look at that and I go, hmm, here's one person in this industry that was willing to spend money uh, to do this. What if I go and find 10 more like that and I go and sell that same bit of software to those 10 other people in the industry? I bet they're willing to pay me a bucket load each time and I've already written it. Yep. This is, this is a gravy train. I've got to get in on this. And because I developed the software... I'm saying I own it, therefore I can do whatever I like with it. And you're as a client going, hang on, I just paid you to write this thing. What do you mean you're going to go and take what I've just paid for and go and sell it to other people and make more money and, and give them the secrets that you've just developed? Welcome to intellectual property. Yep. So what we would normally do in this sort of case is it says, if this is um, a scenario where you want to make sure you are the only one that has this bit of software once it's written, let's put that in writing and spell it out as intellectual property. And we change the price on it, right, as well, because our, yes. our business, because I run the software business at TribeTech, our business is about building software that we can sell to lots of people. It, it, is. So, it is. So if a customer came to us and said, that, that's fine, I, I want this, you're going to build it, you're going to have to go and sell it to other people, that, that's fine, I'll pay M dollars for it. Yes. Now, if they want to keep that intellectual property and have that theirs, well, it'll just cost them more. That, that's right, because that says we're not allowed to do anything with that later. Yeah. And if we went to another client and they said, I want you to build this, this, and this, and we said, that's very similar to what we did over here, it wouldn't matter, we'd have to start from scratch. Yeah. That's yep. right. Absolutely. Okay, so, so that's written in there, so we understand what that is. 
Indemnities. What are those? Indemnities are um, things that say, like, let's say I send an, um, an engineer or a technician to your site, and, and they trip over a power cord that you've got lying around and break their leg. Yep. I'm saying, okay, well, look, we, you need to indemnify us against the fact that this person's hurt themselves on site. It wasn't our site. It's your site, and clearly it wasn't kept in a very good condition if this has happened. Yep. So and that and that really is an agreement. Most it, organisations have that it, stuff in it place. It works anyway. both ways. It's, yeah. it's a very simple thing, and in most cases, it's covered under uh, public liability insurance. Mm -hmm. But it just sort of spells out that look, if we do things, we are going to indemnify you, the client, against these things, and you are going to indemnify us, the provider, against well, these things. That, that makes sense. And you make sure your insurance agreements cover those, and that's that. So, that's cool liability and limitation thereof now yes. now i know from my basic business school that a limited company limits the liability of their shareholders to their investment that's right weird if you're a director but but, yes. but otherwise not so, so so here you're trying to limit the liability so let's say for example computers break okay and if we took over a, a manufacturing environment for example and the whole plant was run by a single machine from 1998 Oh, yes. And that machine broke, and they lost millions of dollars because they couldn't produce stuff. It's not really our fault. No, that, that, that would be true, because the chances are that thing would have failed anyway, regardless of whether we were there or not. Yep. Um, if we had done something, though, that, not, not intentionally, let's say accidentally we did something to cause that to break, we could be, in theory, liable for part of the cost of fixing it or the business's operation. And... The limitation of liability clauses spell out which parties are liable to who for what. That makes sense. And normally yeah. there's a limitation that says, look, I'm going to limit this to the fees I've, um, that I've been received over the previous six months or 12 months or something like that. Sort of thing where if you paid me $1,000 to do a job and I did something, I couldn't be liable for a massive amount beyond that because right. you're not paying anywhere near that. Yeah. And it's sort of brings it into place. Cool. And, and again, in most of these agreements, those, those terms are all negotiable. It is. And it all comes down to money at the end it, of the day. It's all it, about it price. It is. So talking about payment, payment, payment terms. terms. Yeah. And it basically says, if I issue you an invoice, you'll pay in 14 days. Yep. And if there's a problem, I can add interest. And if you pay early, maybe you get a bonus or something. I don't, I don't yep. know. But it basically just sets out basic stuff like that. So everyone is very clear on how this works. Yeah, no, that, that makes sense. If, if you don't do that... You could, um, I could issue you an invoice and you say, oh, look, here's an invoice for this month. He's oh, great, thanks for that. You just say, great, I've got it. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to pay it at some point, maybe in a year's time, maybe in two years' time. Yeah. Where does it say I've got to pay it in 14 days? You didn't put that in any agreement anywhere. Yeah, I know, for sure. <laughs> cool. Termination. Hey, look, of all things, um, this is one of the most important clauses in there. So we've, we have, um, we have, master services agreements we've had them for years and years and years um, and I can tell you that when we go to larger clients and unlike finance companies insurance companies and various things uh, we normally get to have a lovely session with their lawyers normally in-house counsel yeah that will go through the agreements and make sure that the company their, their, their company is protected they largely ignore the majority of the agreement because it's not, it doesn't matter so much. It's normally templated anyway, really. Yes, but what they do, they start at the termination clause, yep. and they say, "How do we get rid of? How it? do we get out of this agreement if it all goes wrong? Yep. What have we got to do? 
and they make sure that they understand that really clearly. So that wraps up into dispute terms, right? It, it does. How, how do we handle a dispute? Yeah. How, how quickly does it have to be rectified? Yeah. When can we and, exit? And look, dispute terms say if something does go wrong and you both can't agree on something, yeah. there's normally a clause in there that says the matter will be forwarded to a, a, a body, an independent body, where a, um, a mediator or an arbitrator will be appointed and they will hear both sides and make a decision. And then both sides have agreed to abide by whatever that decision is, good or bad. And so this is, we're going in with a friendly business agreement. Neither of us want to end up in court. That's right. Let's find a way not to do that. You don't want to end up in court on these agreements. Yeah. All of a sudden, um, yeah, it's an agreement that you're spending $5,000 or $10,000, whatever, for turns into a $200,000 court agreement. Yeah, you don't want to do that. It, it's, those court costs really go... High so, quickly. So no employee. Ah. So if I'm a provider, yep. and I start to put people on site doing things for you, and you say, "Oh, hey, these guys are pretty good." Tell you what, why don't we we just hire them directly? And all of a sudden, I go, "Well, hang on, I've just lost key people." A non-employment clause says you agree as a client you're not going to hire my staff. Yeah. Equally, it says that. If I'm, if I'm providing you a service and I put people on your site and they see, hey, there's some really good people here that are sort You're of interested. You're not going to hire them either. But it says we're not allowed to hire them either. Yeah. So it just sort of means that there's no there's no concern about staff disappearing yep. either way if you go in there. Cool. Warranty. This is a this is an exciting one. Uh, okay. Well, look, there, are tradition, there are warranties under law, but there's also you may have some other warranties against... Uh, whatever you're doing. Professional services. You warrant that you are putting a people appropriately skilled in to perform the service that you have sold to the client. Yep. And, and, yeah. and that, that's really important. And, yeah. and, and you, you are, and that's, that's, that's critical. You certainly wouldn't get someone off the street and get them to go and muck around with someone's production databases or something that's like that. That's just it. And all of a sudden you talk, well, why are you doing this in my database? And what's a database? Yeah. Oh, I just learned this in my book last night. It said I typed this. Mm -hmm. and so clearly that person would not be an appropriate resource to fulfill a contract that says you've got to do this. For sure. Now, if I'm thinking as an MSP... Yes. ...and you've got a bunch of these contracts and master services agreement signed and a bunch of annuity revenue that's the value in your company right it, it, look it, it is and the fact that it's all done properly and it's all bound under the agreements so there's an assignment clause does that there handle is. the scenario where you get acquired or it, it can it can or if the even if the um if the client gets acquired so um you need to be able to either assign the clause uh, and the contract. Uh, sorry, I uh, signed the contract. Thank you. <laughs> in yes. the clause. Use in the, the clause, clause to sign the contract. <laughs> so it, it basically says that if there is a change in control in either the provider or the client, um, we are allowed to uh, reassign the contract to the new provider. Right. If, if there was an acquisition, either the provider is acquired or perhaps the customer is acquired. Legally, it says that the agreement can go with the acquisition. Okay, now that needs, that needs to happen. I understand that. Now, the last one, I see this all the time. I read this in agreements from employment agreements to all sorts of things. These terms, and I'm not asking you to define a legal term. There are okay. lawyers which do that. Yes. But there is something which says these words, entire agreement. Ah, yes. So, let's say you come to me and say, I need help with my IT. And I say, yep. oh, that's fine. We can do this, 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 and this is a managed service. Would you like this? By the way, this is our master services agreement that explains all the bits mm -hmm. and pieces behind the scenes. You go, great, I'll sign off on that. I come back a week later and I say, oh, what if 
we went and did something else, and this is a different agreement. And you say, oh, that's fine. Off you go. Go and do that. Now we have competing agreements. Yes. The whole concept is that the latest version of the Master Services Agreement that's signed now becomes the entire agreement between you and the client. Does that also affect the fact that, you know, we sit, quite often you'll sit down with a client and you'll blue sky a whole bunch of things you're going to do. Yes. And then eventually, because we'll all negotiate on price and things, we land on these are the things we're going to, we're going to do these 10 things. They end up in the entire agreement. That stops the client coming back and say, but you said you were going to... That's right. If it's not in the agreement or it's not in the proposal that attaches, actually, uh, that is governed by the agreement... Um, so it's not written, not written down, it doesn't exist? That's right. Okay. You can't say that if I say I'm going to do A, B, C, D and E and you say, well, where's F? So, well, we didn't say we were going to do F. This is the entire agreement. Okay. And so... It is a bit of legalese, but it really sort of makes it very clear that if anything goes wrong, here is how the contract works. So luckily, the entire agreement was the last step of unpacking those bits, because I'm sure that was mind-numbingly boring for some people, but that's cool. Yes. But (laughs) yeah, we've we've talked about this. This is our opinion of what these are, right? This is not legal advice. It's very high level. Go go talk to a lawyer. And hopefully we got them more or less right. But go talk talk to a lawyer. Um, the, the more important message here is make sure you have a master services agreement in place yep. that tells you about this is how we're going to manage the relationship between us and another party. And, and really those agreements are the best way to manage risks, right? Well, I would, they are, and I would look at it a slightly different way saying I would not go into a relationship without having one of these in place. It's, it's a scary thought. Because so I wouldn't get someone to come and start work without one of these in place, right? No. Why, why would you? Because if you're saying, oh, yeah, come look at all my data, come do this, come play with that. Oh, look, you stole my data, you broke that, you, you, you went and stuck this stuff in a place yep. that wasn't supposed to be. I, I do remember I, I, was, do that? I was called in by a client in this massive rush. I had to fly down on a Sunday and all sorts of things. And before I even touched the plane, I went, here's my agreement. And it's for electronic signing, it's all good, but until that's signed, I'm going nowhere. There's there's no point. It's silly. And and that works. I think that's it's the level of professionalism you need to do, right? It protects you as well as protecting the client. Yeah. Scott, that was awesome. That was kind of fun. It it, it was in a dull legal sort of way, I know. (laughs) 21 minutes of sheer pain, I'll never get back. Um, But no, that, that was awesome. I appreciate that. And thank you so much for watching and listening and make sure you give us a like give us a subscribe leave a comment if you'd like us to discuss something we'd really appreciate it and please be nice on the double legal topic no you don't have to be (laughs) nice at all you say whatever you want i was passing straight to scott but thank you so much for watching or listening you have a fantastic day thank you everyone Bye. bye bye